Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Development Podcast, powered by Tenbound, hosted by David Delaney. My name is James Bodden, with the pleasure of introducing episode 197, featuring Michael Padone, founder of SalesBuzz.com. David kicks off this episode by asking Michael about his journey from commission-only sales jobs to running a business like salesbuzz.com. Such a great story from Michael about how he got started and how he recognized early on the power of the sales profession. The episode continues with David asking an age-old question to Michael. Are great salespeople born or are they made? And Michael's answer is fantastic. You gotta tune in for that. At the 18 minute mark, David and Michael talk about the best ways to research best practices in sales outside of only looking at platforms like LinkedIn. Michael gives some really great resources, great advice on how to level up your game and get outside of that echo chamber. Michael then goes on to give us some practical advice on how to better understand your ICP as a new salesperson. David then goes on to ask Michael how he engages with his clients that he works with and the different ways that he delivers trainings. Interesting to hear his journey being an early adopter of the e-learning model and how it's transformed today the episode wraps up with david asking michael what's next and michael definitely is not someone that is going to rest on his laurels shares a great bit about what's next for him and if you enjoy this episode don't forget to leave us a rating head over to tenbound.com to see what we're up to there and enjoy episode 197 of the sales development podcast featuring michael padone founder of salesbuzz.com Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host. I'm joined today by a mentor of mine, someone who I've been following for a long time, and I'm so excited to get him on the show, Michael Padone, founder of salesbuzz.com. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, man, you know, too good to be legal, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm excited to have you on. You know, like I said, I've been following your stuff for a while when I was running sales development teams. And now, you know, I come across your content in the prospecting and sales development world a lot. Michael, how did you get into, you know, teaching people about outbound sales development and starting sales buzz? That's a great question. I don't think I've ever actually been asked that before on one of these podcasts. So how I got started is this is, first of all, I've always been a straight commission sales rep. Yeah, I never went to college, barely graduated high school. I grew up poor, right? I mean, talking trailer, the whole nine yards, and I just wanted a better life. And I got into sales myself because that was like, Sales was the only way you could live like a rock star. And I mean that in the truest sense, right? I mean, if you got really good at sales, there was no glass ceiling. I mean, the majority of companies that are out there, if you're in a sales position, as great as you can get and as good as you can be in sales, the income level is sky's the limit. And so I've always been a straight commission sales rep. And then I built one company. It was a marketing company. And I started it in 2002. I sold it for seven figures in 2007 cashed out before. And thankfully, because of uh, the market crash that happened 2008, 9, 10. But I really sat back and now I had some extra cash I wasn't used to having. And I was like, what do I want to do next? And I had a couple of business ideas, but my passion, it literally kept coming back to, I know what it feels like to have the phone 
feel like a 25 pound weight and your livelihood depends on it. You just don't want to pick it up anymore because you're just so tired of getting kicked in the face and being told no and being rejected and hung up on. And I knew exactly, I went through all of those challenges and I know exactly what I did to correct all of that. And I just came up with this process that no matter what company I worked with and no matter what industry I was in, if I took their onboarding training and then I put in my sales process, if you will, I was just always very successful, like in the very top of the companies. And then so, you know, when I was looking for a new business, I mean, seven figures was nice, but you know, I wasn't going to be able to retire off that. So I had to do something else. And I had, like I said, I had a couple of business ideas, but this is the one I came back to. I mean, I really felt like I would add a calling to share what I learned and make it in a way where they could easily digest it and afford it as well, but then shorten that learning curve and help them be successful. And that's what I've been doing ever since then. And I just love it. So you bottled it huh? and you know, put it out there. Well, so what it was is when I started my one company and I started hiring sales reps, first of all, if they were half as good as their resume said they were, I would have sold my company for eight figures, not seven figures, right? But so when you get these salespeople that come on board and I realize <laughs> I get them on the phones, I'm like, man, they don't know what to say after hello, my name is. And some of them, I would hire experienced sales reps. And I was just like, okay, so I just broke the sales process down into small bite-sized step-by-step processes to where they could literally visualize the roadmap. Like there really is, I mean, sales is, there's a science to it, but it's not rocket science. And if you really break the sales process down to, okay, is it a first time call or a follow call? Did you speak to them before or not? No. Okay. It's a first time call. Okay. Before you pick up the phone, one of three things is going to happen. You're either going to get the prospect to answer the phone. You're going to get the gatekeeper, or you're going to get voicemail. You need to know before you pick up the phone, what you're going to say in each one of those. I mean, how many times have you heard, you, you're talking about your SDRs you used to, to manage. How many times would they get the prospect on the phone and they weren't expecting them? They go, oh, I didn't expect to get you. Like they're caught off guard, like right in the first yep. few seconds, right? So when you teach them that, listen, if they answer, this is the goal of your opening value statement. You have to pique their interest in the first five seconds in order to gain the next five to 10 seconds of that call. That's your first mini sale. So how do you do that, right? So you have to know how to pique their interest if you get them. If you get the gatekeeper, you need to know what to say to them that'll get a call back. Same thing on voicemail. And then a lot of times people go, okay, I got them on the phone. Now what do I do, right? A lot of times salespeople do one of two things. They either data dump, right? And then they hear, well, just send me some information. They think they have a pipeline filled now, which they don't, right? Or, you know, they try to ask probing questions, which you hear the prospect's guard is still up. And it's like, you're trying to get information out of them, but it's like pulling teeth or trying to pull a donkey up the hill. So there's a better way. But once you learn to pique their interest, then you have to learn how to ask an engagement question to lower their guard and pique their interest. And then what do you do after that? So I just had this little step-by-step process that once I broke it down for them, my sales reps, like the light bulb went on, they were allowed to use their own personality. I want them to use their own personality and style. But when they follow the roadmap that I laid out for them, man, sales really started to take off. And so, like I said, when I was fortunate enough, I wasn't looking to sell my first company. Fortune had it, came knocking on my door. So we cashed out. And then, uh, yeah, when I wanted to start something else, I'm like, I have this whole step-by-step process that I know works across every industry. And so that's what I decided I wanted to do. And so you probably hear this a lot, but are great salespeople born or made? Man, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Here's the thing. Let's go back to what I said earlier. I grew up poor. 
right? I mean, like, yeah. I know what it's like, you know, where single mom has to be on food stamps or whatever. She's working three jobs, things of that nature. And I didn't want that for myself. So born or not, I was motivated. I wanted to be better. I really think there's two camps. There's the ones that are going to make things happen. And then there's the ones that just, you know, kind of like want stuff given to them or whatever. And they're just not going to work hard for it. I'm just not in that camp. And so my situation was, you know, I want to be better. I want to have a family one day. We're going back when I first got into sales. And I just knew that, you know, I wanted to be able to provide for them. Like I wanted them to be able to not know what it meant to go hungry or not to be able to turn, you know, pay the light bill or have the car start in the morning, you know, things like that. And so that's where my motivation came from. And I actually think that there's a lot of good things you can learn from like the new generation of millennials and things of that nature. Like they're really starting to like their work-life balance is starting to get better, but some of them go a little too far. And I think that some of them, like, I actually think a base salary can be detrimental to the company and to that individual as far as their potential earnings. Sometimes if you give too high of a base salary where they can live off, they don't have that extra motivation to like, hey, I need to be a little more intentful on this call. See, when I'm making my sales calls, even to this day, even though I own the company, I still sell and there's no bailout coming for me. So even when I'm making that phone call, I have a little extra intent to get something done. Whereas I do see some sales reps that they could fall into a trap where if they're living at home and they're making 40K base salaries and if they get another 10, 15 grand bonus, they're like happy with that. But they could be doing double that with just a little more intention and not having to work twice the amount of hours, work the same amount of hours, just earn more by having that little more sense of urgency. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it is back to, sometimes I get off on a tangent. So you're asking me about if they're born or not. For me, all I can say is this, is whether you're born or not, there's lessons that can be taught because I was horrible when I first got into sales, right? So was I born? Was I made? I had the motivation. I had that. And so then I wanted to learn and I just kept at it. I kept learning from people who were better than I was. And I ignored the advice from the people who weren't at the level of success that I was after. I think that's really huge. Well, you know, a lot of people are born in a trailer, you know, and born poor and stuff like that. And they don't have that sparkle, you know, to go out and make their own thing happen, or they don't have that opportunity, you know? So what was it about you that made you go, no, uh, -uh, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go out and make it happen. You said that they don't have the opportunity. Okay. So that's a real hot topic, especially even in today's world. It's more so today's world, right? And there's no doubt that there's certain groups or whatever that might have not have as big of an opportunity yet. You still, I mean, you're in America. If you're listening to this and you're in America and you're alive. What does Gary Vaynerchuk say? You've already hit the lottery, right? I mean, you can make things happen in this country as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, sure, it might be a little bit harder for some people based on their circumstances, but you can still make things happen. I think the biggest thing is you need the right motivation. I mean, Sometimes it just takes that one positive voice for somebody to say, listen, you can do this. I've seen so many people who are told that they can't do something and they end up believing it. Now, I had an abusive stepfather when I was younger as well, said I would never amount to anything. And, you know, it was a pretty violent situation. And I had two choices as a 14, 15, 16 year old kid where it was, do I just go, yep, I'm going to be white trash or am I going to go, no. You know, I don't know if I can swear in here. I'll just say F this and I'm going to make something happen. A lot of times I would take that situation and I realized I could either let it just accept it or I could use it as rocket fuel 
to go ahead and use it as motivation to get out of the situation. And so that's the path that I personally chose. It wasn't easy. You know, everybody looks at success easy. I live in the neighborhood I always wanted to. Now my kids go to, you know, they've gone to private schools and things. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I've achieved things that I've wanted to achieve. I'm not done, but it's a daily fight, right? I mean, this is why you don't see me. You notice you don't see me with the videos on LinkedIn, like a lot of people, you know, I don't go rent an airplane and, and pretend I'm in a helicopter or any of this other stuff. Or even if I had one, I, I probably wouldn't do it. You know, yeah. as like one, it's funny because growing up, you might not know this about me. You know, I wanted to be a rock star. That was my thing. I played guitar. I actually, but before my wife met me, I was waiting here back from Ozzy to see if I was going to get that gig in the early 1990s. Didn't go my way, but that's fine. But so I literally wanted, you know, that type of lifestyle of where I had the freedom to do what I want and what I loved. And, you know, sales was a way for me to get in there and learn this craft. I mean, when I was doing cold calling back in the day, I mean, I had to do it. I didn't like it. I was like, I had no other option. And you got to understand when I got back into sales, I mean, we're talking like Wolf of Wall Street type where there's no emails, there's no texting, there's no LinkedIn, there's no Google, you know, all that stuff. It's like, hey, here's a list of you know, basically here's a phone book. You, know, you find your prospects in there and there's a phone, start dialing and you had to be successful. Much like the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. I mean, I don't know how many people, if you're listening to this podcast and you're young and new into sales and you're struggling, and if you haven't seen that movie, you know, it's based off true events, by all means do it because that stuff is real. I remember being in those types of situations. I wasn't selling stockbroker stuff, but it's very similar. And if you're not happy with where you are right now and you're living in America, you can make that happen, but you're going to have to hustle. And there's going to be a lot of people that tell you that you can't. You got to turn out that noise, you know, buy those motivational tapes. I say tapes, I'm dating myself. You know, now it's audio books, things of that nature. You know, go to those seminars. You know, if there's just one thing you get out of it, then great. And you just got to keep investing in yourself and you got to keep trying. You got to keep learning that. But you have to learn from people who have already achieved the level of success that you're after and ignore the noise from everybody else. Got it. And, you know, another thing that I see, Michael, is in the old days, you got a job as a sales rep at a company, right? And I remember this one, they flew us out to Pittsburgh, put us through two weeks of intense training. We had to take all these tests and role plays and everything. And then throughout the whole employment, they were constantly training, coaching, you know, all this stuff. Now, so I'm in the tech industry, and it's almost gone to the opposite, where it's just kind of sink or swim. They, they give you a few tech tools and all the phone numbers and emails and stuff like that, and you're on your own, you know? So it's almost like the pendulum has swung back to sink or swim, you know? It's funny. So obviously, you were with a good company that did that. The companies I started with, you know, it was sink or swim, but they had their like internal training. But I remember like, we didn't even have a CRM, even though some of them were start, like, there was, what was it called? Act in the beginning, like that was the main CRM, yeah. right? Or our gold mine, gold yeah, mine, yeah. gold mine, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And it was like a lot of my the companies I work for, are like, now nah, here's just some sheets of paper with names on, just call them, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like we're not investing in this gold wow. mine thing, you know. Yep. And so that's where just you know hit the phones down, but that's where I, I hone my skills. But the thing is, this it all goes back to what do you want? I mean, it's my blood pressure goes up when I try to stay off LinkedIn and the feeds because I go in there and I'll see somebody say just because they want, in my opinion. They're like, they're a self-branded sales guru where they are, they're not, whatever. But they're like saying it's harder than ever now for sales people to get the prospects on the phone. I feel like they're just, I look at them, I see their age and I'm like, 
they're full of shit. They got to remember 20 years ago, you know, if they've been selling that long or even 10 years ago, how hard it was then. I mean, right now you have email, you have text, you have Google, you have all these data tools out there that have their information. You have LinkedIn. I mean, it's so easy now to reach out. I mean, you can follow somebody on Twitter, send them through that. I mean, there's just so many ways to get it done. I think the problem is, is that everybody is trying to promote like don't cold call in that sense and just use other tools to try to reach out to people. Don't interrupt people. That's the one I hear all the time. All marketing is interruption marketing, right? And so whether it's a cold call or a cold email or whatever, or a combination, myself, I'm a call first, voicemail, email, and that combination first. And if you just make that outreach, there's so many ways you can find somebody. I mean, if you think back to when we when we were selling, if you go way back, if you had to call somebody, there wasn't a LinkedIn to check that that person's still at that company before you called them, right? I mean, how many times have you and I made a call and go, that person hasn't been here in three years? And you're like, oh, damn. And then you're like, well, can I speak to the person in their place, right? That should never happen now because for me, I use LinkedIn Sales Navigator with my Salesforce and it pulls the person's profile in. So I double check to make sure they're still there. It takes me, what, three seconds? Hello, they're still there. They got the right title, still at the location. And if I happen, I think once in 10 years, I called and somebody said, oh, they don't work anymore, but they just left by a week, right? And I go, oh, okay, no problem. And they knew it, but it, it didn't position me as a cold caller because I'm not calling. They're saying they haven't been there in three years. I'm just calling blindly. Does that make sense or no? Yeah. And so with you know the advice that people are getting on LinkedIn, I find that it's very contradictory. Like as you're scrolling through, one person says this, one person says that, and it's almost like causing more confusion Absolutely. out there. So what's a better way to research and you know get new tips and stuff like that than just kind of mindlessly scrolling through this endless sea of yeah. advice? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Daryl Pearl and I was talking about this recently. And I think, and it's not just with sales, I think it's with the entire world, you know, that's going on right now with the social media and all the information that's out there, misinformation, whatever. I think we as a human race, we need to start adding critical thinking skills. And so if I'm a young salesperson coming up now, my God, at least, you know, when I was getting advice, it was sitting in a room of my new job and there's 20 or 30 other sales reps there. And I'm just going to take advice from the guy that's on the top of the leaderboard, the guy or the girl that's in the top two or three spots, right? I'm just going to take advice from them. Now it's like you get this noise ever. So I could really understand in that sense why they might be confused. So I think we have to invoke critical thinking skills. And a lot of times a salesperson will say, hey, this technique worked for me. And they go out there and they post it all over LinkedIn. They get 10,000 likes and all these comments. That's great. And it worked in one instance, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not scalable and it's fundamentally flawed. And then yet you get, you know, a hundred or 200 or a thousand sales reps reading it. And then they go try it. And the problem is it doesn't work on a scale or a level that it needed to. And now they're struggling. So then they look for the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. Next thing you know, they're frustrated. Maybe, Maybe they leave sales or it's turnover. Right. Right. That could be a problem. I think we need to add critical thinking skills. They need to start going, okay, you should be able to map out the sales process. It doesn't matter. Here's let me back up for a second. No matter what company you're selling for, then who you're selling to, your prospect has unique problems and you have unique solutions to solve those problems for that target audience. Right. The thing is this the purchasing process that that consumer will go through is going to be the exact same in a million different industries. 
everybody goes to the same part. Like for example, the secret to cold calling, if you want to call it, I hate using the word secret, but if you have to make outbound calls because you don't have enough inbound hand raisers, if you have to do that to, to try to hit your numbers until you have some inbound warnings coming in is you have to, one, obviously you have to know who your ICP is, right? Your ideal customer profile. You should be able to know how to pick your zebra out of the herd. We can go on, on a whole tangent on how to do that, but let's say you know how to do that. Great. You build your list there. And you have to know how to call an agitated pain or scratch an itch in the first few seconds of a sales call, right? You have to know that's the very first thing you have to do because if you don't agitate a pain or scratch an itch, if you don't peak interest first, nothing else matters. And so if you go, okay, that makes sense. So how do I do that? Well, then there's ways you can learn how to do that, customize your fit. But now the thing is, what do I do next? So well, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll break it down to... Sales is a lot like baseball. I'm more of a hockey fan, but sales is a lot like baseball. Every time you pick up the phone, you're in the batter's box, right? And your first job is to get the first base. That's the first thing you have to do. And that means you have to peak interest enough to get them to be willing to have a conversation. If you can do that in your opening value statement, you just made the first base. Now, even if you hypothetically hit a home run in baseball, let's say you hit a double, you can't run from the batter's box across the pitcher's mount to second base. You still have to touch first. You might get there a little quicker, but the point is there are literally steps in the sales process that when you learn them and you learn the important ones for your industry and you work and you make sure that you follow them during your sales conversations, you'll have more confidence, call reluctance goes away, and you start closing more deals, start setting more appointments and start having better conversations, start closing more deals. So to your question, you know, how do we figure these things out is, you know, which is right and what's not. You have to know the process and then you have to go ahead and take somebody's sales advice and go, okay, what situation does that fit into? And how does this work with the process? And does it help? Okay, great. Yep. It helps me get smoother for, in this situation when this happens. If it helps me get from point A to point B, that's the right sales technique. So those are the kind of critical thinking skills they're going to have to develop to be really successful. Got it. Okay. And so it seems like you want to pick a process, a sales process that you're going to follow and really go deep on it and learn the fundamentals versus trying to plug in all these shiny objects and all this different advice that you're getting from all these people. You know, I've trained over 4,000 people and a lot of them had more than 10 years experience. And one of the common themes I hear is, I wish I learned this a long time ago. Most experienced salespeople, like if I said, okay, you know, you made your first cold call, you got your prospect on the phone, you piqued their interest. They said they got a second. Okay. What's the purpose of the first question you have to ask right now? What's the next step? Like most of them don't know. They're like, you know, I got to build rapport or I got to find out through the decision maker or, you know, so they call and say, like, no, and it's none of those. It's the very first question you're supposed to do is you have to ask an engagement question. An engagement question puts your prospect's attention in an area you want them thinking about because you got to get them thinking about a problem before they're willing to hear your solution. This is the secret to cold calling, if I didn't get to that point yet, that you have to establish what's called problem recognition. This is why salespeople love, whether they know it or not, why they love inbound warm leads. Because somebody went searching for a solution. Well, what happened before they went searching for a solution? They recognized they had a problem. So then they went searching for it. They found you on Google. Now you have an inbound warm lead or an inbound call in, or they filled out a form, right? So now you have a warm lead. But if you don't have enough of those, you have to call. You have that ICP. Now you have to call. You have to 
pique their interest enough to get them to be able to answer some questions from you. And then you have to start with an engagement question. And that engagement question is the start of the process to a couple of more questions that will uncover if a problem exists or not. So you can't call and tell your prospect that they have, especially on a cold call, you can't call and tell them they have a problem because they're going to doubt it. There's, you know, yeah, there's too much self-interest there. But by you asking certain questions and when it uncovers a problem, now you can both see it. And guess what human nature is once somebody recognizes that they have a problem? They want to know if you can help them solve it. And so this is the kind of engagement sales process that I found to be so successful. And it just took the stress off of me having to cold call. And it gets fun because every time I pick up the phone, I have my lead list, no matter how much pressure is on me to hit my number. And again, I still say that because I own the company. I still give myself a quota, things of that nature, right? I still have bills to pay, et cetera. So what it does for me is I go, let me just see if I can help this person. And then it just it just takes the pressure away. I know exactly what I'm going to say. If they answer, if gatekeeper, voicemail, if they do answer and I peak interest and to get the conversation started, I know my first three questions and why. I just take it down that path as far as I can. And see that it's they're not qualified or they are and we need a further conversation or they just buy. Yeah. And so if somebody's sitting there and they go, okay, I just got this sales job, right? And I'm selling some, you know, very technical thing to a buyer audience that I don't know. They've been doing it for 20 years. I've been on the job for, you know, half an hour. 20, and, and, 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> and they just handed me this list of prospects. Where do I start so that I can learn a little bit about the people that I'm calling and what their problems might be. Where do I start? You have to ask your manager or the top sales rep or the owner of the company, depending on what size the company is, is what is the number one problem our prospect has to have that we would solve for them? And what problems does that problem cause them to have? You got to start there. And then, then you got to ask, okay. And then the basic ICP questions, okay, what's the location of our, is it United States? Is it in a certain city? Is it worldwide? Right? So the problem, a lot of times salespeople is they go wide and not deep, right? Cause they don't want to miss one sale. But if you're starting at a new company, that company, if they have it, then you need to ask these questions, but they should know that if they ran a report of the last 100 deals that they closed and they ran a report, they would see a sweet spot of, number of employees, annual revenue, location, right? Just the basics. And then the titles of the people that, what are the, this is another one. You never want to assume somebody's a decision maker based on their title alone. Like how many of your listeners have ever done that? They assume they're a decision maker based on their title. And then they go for a close and they hear, well, I got to check with so-and-so. Now they're stuck. And here's the thing on that. The prospect is either telling the truth or they're lying, right? Those are the only two choices, right? So if they're lying and you don't press them on it, you might not ever get them on the phone again. There was another hidden objection there. But if they are telling the truth and you do press them on it, you could damage the relationship you've been building to that point. So there's sales techniques that I teach ahead of time to avoid that scenario, but I digress, right? So you have to be able to ask your employer, what's the number one problem? Give me the top three problems that they have. What's the number one? What does the target audience look like? And then when it comes to the titles, what are the top two or three titles of the people who are almost always at least involved in the decision-making process. You want to do that because one company that matches your ICP at a location could have a specific title and that person's a sole decision-maker. And then another lead with the same type of ICP profile and that person with that same title, but that company might need two or three other people involved, right? But at least you should know who you can at least kickstart the conversation with and get that problem recognition going. And once you do get problem recognition, then it makes sense to identify 
Who else needs to be involved? And these are the steps I'm talking about. So getting to first base is allowing them to ask some questions. If you get to second, you got problem recognition. You get into third, you're identifying, you know, all the qualifying people and what their ideal solution looks like. And then you're going to get to the presentation. And then after that, you're going to get the home plate and close the deal. So that's kind of like the process there. Straight line. And so how do you work with clients? Like, is it all online? So it's like self-paced? Me personally? Yeah. 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 I mean, I've always done the classes live online. I've known it for like 10, 12 years or whatever. And actually, let me back up. When I first started, I did everything. It was all on demand. And that was when it was really expensive to do e-learning. Like I would pay a developer to create all these courses and things of that nature. And the first year or so, we're going back in what, 2008, 9, 10, right? E-learning just, you know, it wasn't a thing, especially in sales training. So it was, it was struggling a little bit. And then, so I decided to do these classes, you know, online. I've always done them. It's just, here's the thing, whether it's live or whether it's on demand, here's the rule though. It's less than an hour a class because I don't know what it is about us salespeople, but we have the attention span of a goldfish, right? I mean, anything longer than an hour, or we're just, we're never going to memorize it all. I mean, there's plenty of studies that show that most people, but especially salespeople, we just don't retain it all. That's why you and I, back in the day, we would go to these all-day sales training events, hear some great information, come back to work on a Monday, we're all hopped up, we're excited. By Thursday, everybody's back in their bad habits, routines again, and the company owner just wasted a bunch of money. So when I started the company a long time ago, I realized that was an issue, at least for me, it was. And so I broke it up into what's called single concept focused learning. So even when I did them live online, which I still do, it's just a higher expense now, but it's still one hour a week. So the thing is, is like, I call it a 1090 rule, like 10% learning, 90% doing. So you're going to learn these very specific techniques. I would recommend them doing like even 3M, my largest account, I train their entire sales force in 12 different languages all around the world. They all do it on demand. If it works for them, it would work for a small business. Trust me. So it's just, they do one hour a week. They take the class online. They take the exam. They rewrite their scripts. So they start building out their playbook and then they get right on the phones using those couple of techniques they learned in that class. And they see that it's working, but I want them to use it all week. So it becomes part of their routine and their habit. And then the next week, the next course is unlocked and they just keep going like that over an eight week period. And then they have unlimited access to go back and review it for, you know, for a 12 month period you know, to get refreshers as they need. Plus they could reach out to me if they have questions. So it's a pretty complete program. Got it. So, and are you on all these classes with them or is it something that they can do on their own? Right. So we have both, right? So like I said, there's a higher fee. If you want me to do the live training where it's that hybrid, you know, we schedule it and I work with your team one-on-one, things of that nature. We could do that. My wife prefers that because it's a lot more money, right? So it's, it's a lot bigger sale, but for a very affordable rate, you could have a team, go through where you, you still get a training court. We have a training coordinator that she'll set it up for your team. And we even give the sales manager their own logging so they can see and track each sales rep on how well they're doing. But then we create the schedule on when to start and then the time period to finish each module. And then the little role-playing exercises that we have that they do on their own, it's very seamless that way. So what I found is for small to mid-sized companies, not like the enterprise levels who can afford you know, these big programs, but I've been able to make it affordable for these small to mid-sized companies, but it's out of the box. But the only thing is this, it's specific for phone sales, B2B phone sales. We're not telemarketers, it's professional selling by phone, business to business. If you need a step-by-step process for that, I have an out-of-the-box solution that, you know, it's going to go over each step of the sales process. It's going to show you examples. You'll see, you know, how to create 
something unique to your industry, but still following the sales steps. And it's very easy to use. And so that's what I've been doing for the last, well, we're in 2021 now. Jeez, I've been doing it for a while, but I still love it. I love it. Well, that makes it easier on everybody if you can have those different you know, ways that they can interact. And I think, you know, this is one of those things, especially people in the tech industry, they just throw people in, give them a little product training, and then they miss the whole sales training part, the soft skills and the coaching. So, you know, this is a great program for people that you can just plug that right in. Michael, what's next for you? What's new on the horizon? What do you got coming up? I am loving what I'm doing. I'm hesitating because I have been approached by a couple of people for a buyout, but I really do love what I'm doing. So we'll see. All right. Michael's in play. Michael's in play. (laughs) You heard it first here on the Sales Development Podcast. So, (laughs) well, man, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I got a whole page of notes here, ton of takeaways. Everybody go over to salesbuzz.com to get with Michael and get on some of these programs. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Any other good ways to get in touch with you, Michael, or you know, get next steps on this? Yeah, LinkedIn. You, know, you can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to help. And then yep. salesbuzz.com. You can even take a free course right on there and try it. Yep. And he, he's not going to be doing videos of in his helicopter and private jet, right? <laughs> no. I mean, okay. come on. <laughs> nah. I know. I know exactly who you're talking about because I'm on there all day. <laughs> Some of it's good, but sometimes it's like, geez, man just why go overboard? Listen, if you have something worth sharing, just share it. I mean, just share it and move on. It depends on the day. If I need to be motivated to get a Rolls Royce or something, I'll go on there. I feel pretty good for a minute, but yeah. Anyways, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll see you again on the sales development podcast. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the sales development podcast. The only audio forum, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.